Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. I have a really special guest today, Tony Garofalo, who was a trainer when I was at uh, St. Benedict's. He's a couple years younger. If you're watching this podcast, you'll say he's more than a couple years younger. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Tony, after he left St. Benedict's, and I guess you were a Benedictine grad, Tony, so after he left Benedictine, pursued a career in athletic training and has been extremely successful in that, is still working in that area today. He became the athletic trainer for the Chicago Cubs and spent more than a decade with them. Had a great career, so I'm really pleased and, and uh, very happy to welcome you, Tony, to our podcast. Thanks, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Well, Tony, I I was thinking back. I don't remember when we first met because when you came in, I was a junior. And I'm sure that uh, at that point in time, I was so focused on my books that I probably didn't. <laughs> well, let me rephrase. I probably wasn't focused on my books. I was focused on my basketball. Anyway, I I remember when you were our athletic trainer, but I couldn't remember if Terry Hansen was still there at the time or not. Yeah, yeah, Terry was there. In fact, <laughs> it's funny when I when I first got there, Tom Caldwell was the assistant basketball coach and the head soccer coach, and I just bugged him and bugged him and bugged him to let me go to work in the athletic training department. I think he just got so tired of putting up with me that he said, yeah, I'll give you a job as a student manager just to get me away from bugging him so much. Yeah, but Terry was there and Tom and Ralph and uh, Thad Nowak were there. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thad, yeah. He, he was a great person, great person. Well, you grew up in St. Louis. I think you ended up going to Vianney High School, graduating from there. Uh, when when you grew up, did you play any specific sport or a number of sports or what was what was your background? Well, I, you know, I played baseball and soccer, and soccer was my main sport. And I played a lot of soccer from an early age, as you probably know. St. Louis used to be the hotbed of soccer in the United States. Everybody, a lot of our classmates and people that went to St. Benedict and Benedictine came from St. Louis, and we all played soccer. Yeah, I played mostly soccer, and ironically, when I was at Vianney High School, they didn't have a soccer team. So I was playing, yeah, a school that ended up winning eight state championships now never had a soccer team when I went there. Wow. And I was very involved in soccer, and they didn't want to have one at the island. So I continued to play soccer for the CYC and, and that, that team before travel programs. 
I still wanted to be involved at the high school because a lot of my friends were in sports, you know, playing football and basketball. I'm not the, never was a basketball player and, um, I was kind of small to be a football player, but I just got involved with, uh, the coach says, well, you know, you want to be around? Here's a student athletic training course that Kramer offers. So I did that and I learned how to tape ankles, you know, and, wow. and that's where I got my start in athletic training when I was in high school. Wow. And, and it was just kind of like a, kind of like a freak that I really became involved in it so much because I intended to play in soccer at St. Benedict's when I got there and I was playing in a summer soccer league with guys like Larry Gildahouse and Burt Gates and and Ken Winkleman and a lot of people you know and at one of the games I broke two ribs playing soccer. I got I fell and landed awkwardly on another guy and broke two ribs. So this was like three weeks before I was going away to school. Oh, wow. So I couldn't run, you know, because I could hardly breathe. So that kind of put the end of my soccer career. Wow. And, and you know, I still wanted to be involved with it. And I got my taste of athletic training a little bit when I was in high school as a student. So that's when I started bugging Tom, you know, let me do this. Let me do this. And Tommy Judge was basically the student athletic trainer at St. Benedict's at the time. And Tom said, well, I'll let you, um, I'll let you be the equipment manager, you know, and we can work with Tom. So Tom Judge and I did it for a couple of years together. And that's how I got started as a student training program. Oh, that is so interesting. I always ask this question to my guests because all of them have been very successful. And it's always interesting to me where they get their competitive edge from, you know. And I'd like to ask you that same question. Where'd that come from? I, if you were a soccer player and baseball player, I can kind of understand it, but is there something that sparked that competitive edge that you have? You know, I, I just enjoyed being around athletes and I enjoyed being, you know, working with them and that kind of stuff. I always thought that if you're going to do something, you got to go full board. You can't do anything part way. If you do something part way, it, you're not, it's going to make yourself look bad. You're not really helping anybody, including yourself. So that was kind of like my competitive edge, just to try to try to keep learning as I went along. I took a lot of things up by just doing it and being around athletes mm -hmm. and knowing what, you know, what they like, what they didn't like. You get to learn personalities of, of, Every athlete I've ever worked with was different, and you get to learn a lot about their personalities, and you kind of grow and you learn to do that. So that that was my competitive competitive, just to try to be the best I could. If you're going to do something, you might as well do it the best way you can. Wow, that's true. That's true. How'd you get the Benedicts? I mean, it sounds like you were playing with some of the guys who were a little bit older than you that were going to Benedicts. Was that the influence, or was it a counselor at Vianney, or...? Well, ironically, my dad was in the liquor business for, for 55 years, and he became friends. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He used to own the Karmic Distillery in uh, Weston, Missouri. Weston. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad went to visit him. He invited him up because they did some private labeling of stuff in my dad's liquor store. And he told him Cray was his last name. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Dick Cray. And he was on the board of directors at St. Benedict's That's at the right. time because yeah. of uh, Midwest uh, grain and all that kind of stuff in Atchison. Mm -hmm. And he invited my mom and dad up to uh, Weston, and he took they took a ride up to Atchison to show them the school, you know, that he was part of. And they came back and told me about it, and I said, you know, why not? You know, I, I wasn't much for a, a big type of school. I'd like to 
I liked the, because I went, Vianney was a small high school, and I kind of liked that. And my mom and dad said, well, you kind of get that at St. Benedict's, you know. And that got me to the road. I First time I stepped foot on campus was when I was a freshman, you know, enrolling, you know, freshman year. That's the same experience I had, you know, when, when I got there. And I had to take a train. I don't know if you remember or not, but I'm from Ohio. And so it took us 24 hours to get from where I was in Ohio to actually get to Atchison. And when, when we got there off this train, they dropped us off in Armour, Missouri. And yeah. Armour, Missouri is right there at the intersection of 59 and I think it's 75 or whatever. Something. Anyway, it's like four miles outside of town. It's the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> around. And, yeah. and they picked us up with hay trucks. <laughs> we had to throw our stuff in the back of the hay truck. And then we climbed onto the back of the hay truck. And there was about 30 or 40 guys who they had picked up on the way from Ohio. We went through Indiana, up to Chicago, down through St. Louis, over to Kansas City. You know, by the time we got to Bennett's, there's like 40 guys, and we're all sitting there in Armour, Missouri. There are like three hay trucks at the <laughs> And I'm thinking, what mistake did I make? Oh, my gosh. Because I had never been there either. And, and uh, But as soon as I walked on campus, it was so beautiful. I thought, wow, this, is, this was the right decision. So I don't know if you experienced that same thing or not. Oh, yeah. It was just like it. It just felt like home. You just felt, you know, it felt like a home because you knew everybody. And ironically, there was eight other people from my graduating class that all ended up at Benedict's as well. So I wasn't kind of like out in the middle of nowhere with nobody. At least I had some friends I went to high school with, you know. I think of the eight, I think six of us lasted four years there. Well, that's pretty good, yeah. I do remember, it seemed like about half our school was from St. Louis. Yeah. Amazing. We all used to gather. Back then, they had one TV in the dorm. So yep. everybody would gather on Sunday afternoons to watch the Cardinals, you know. And I'd go down there, and I'd always cheer against the Cardinals. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I was a big Browns fan back then. <laughs> well, you know, what's, what, what was really good about it, what really made kind of like cemented, and I'll never, you may not remember this, but I remember this. I was in St. Michael's Hall, which was right across from Newman Hall, where you were. And... I became, I don't know how it happened, but I would come up, you were with Steve Northcraft, was your roommate, right. and your sweet mates were Bob Steiner and Jack New. And for some reason, I became friends with you guys, and I would come up to the, your room a lot, and you just kind of sit around and talk, and you made me feel like welcome. You know, here's these juniors talking to this lowly freshman and making them feel at home, you know, and that yeah. really... That really kind of sold me on the place. I, I don't remember, you know, our, our having effect on you at all, but I just had a, a podcast with Mike Tharp, who was a senior when I was a freshman, and I had that exact same experience with he and Jack Dugan and, and Don Shearing, who were the seniors on our national championship team. They just accepted you. They brought you in and made you feel comfortable. And, you know, I think... At Benedict's at the time, one of the reasons we were so close was because of that beanie program they had. Yeah. Remember, we yeah. Asked, used to have to wear those stupid beanies for six weeks, and we, yeah. we had to do whatever the upperclassmen asked us to do, as long as it wasn't immoral or illegal. You, know, you yeah. had to do it, but once you once they brought you up to their room to shine their shoes or whatever they had you do, they just befriended you. Yeah. 
And so when that six-week period was over, you already had just all these upperclassmen that were friends of yours and kind of, I wouldn't call them mentors, but, you know, they were they were just good people and you felt so comfortable. And yeah, and, and and that's what that's what that's exactly what happened when I met the four of you, four of you guys. You probably had me do something. I'm you sure know, I did. When I was a person, <laughs> you know, some something idiotic or something, but I did it. But then for some reason, because Bob Steiner played basketball and and Jack was a soccer player, and you and Steve were basketball players, and I was kind of hanging around the athletic, you know, the old what's now called the Nolan Gym up on the hill. I used to hang around there and used to hang in my little cubby hole downstairs where they used to throw the equipment and I used to watch the equipment. Yeah. We just got to be friends, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, that these upperclassmen, we became friends, you know, and yeah. it really makes you really, you're right, it really brings you, it makes you feel at home and feel welcome, you know. Six for six weeks, they were your enemy. You avoided upperclassmen as all, as all possible. <laughs> and then after those six weeks, you know, we were all in the same boat. We we're all in this small town together, so let's make the best of it. Yeah. yeah. It was it was like one huge fraternity is what it was. It was. Like. It was just it was what a great experience we had. And ironic a funny story, when my son was a freshman at high school in at Schaumburg High School, he sees me talking to the principal and he's he like, What are you talking to the principal for? I said, <laughs> I went to college with him, it was Jack Gaza. Oh yeah, Jack, Jack was in your class. Yeah, and yeah. I, he said, "Well, I didn't know you knew anybody." Well, yeah, you know, you knew everybody when <laughs> yeah, you were up there. You know? That's right. There were about a thousand guys up there, and you know every one of them. In fact, Jack called me. He had this parents' council, and he called me. He said, "I want you to do me a favor. I need one, at least one friend on this council. So will you be on my <laughs> principal's council council with me?" And I said, "Well, I'll be on there. I don't know if we're friends afterwards, but you know, I'll do it. But you know." It's those friendships you make for a lifetime. Yeah, they were. And yeah, you're right. I wanted to kind of pursue this athletic training career with you a little bit. Now, the first couple of years that, that you were with the athletic program at Benedictine, you were the manager side of it, not so much the athletic trainer side of it. Right. Is that correct? Right. And then when, yeah. Tom, when Tom Judge left, did you step in then and become, because I was gone after that. Right. Did you step in then and become the... Athletic trainer or student athletic trainer? Yeah, I did. I and Tom was great because I had I had a little bit more experience than Tom did with you know taping and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. he kind of mm -hmm. we kind of worked together a little bit, and um, it was just like a natural progression. It was it wasn't like I just did the equipment and he did the athletic training. We did we did things together. That's it. And when he graduated, I've been around hanging around for three years. So they just said, okay, it's it's your it's your baby now, you know. Go ahead and run with it, boy. Has it changed up there since then? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you like about the athletic training side of it? You know, taping ankles and and doing that type of thing is just not to me. That would not be entertaining type things. But what drew you to that? It was it was the friendships you made with the athletes. I always said you get to know more about an athlete when you're working one on one with them, you know, either taping them or, or, you know, doing rehab on them and stuff like that. And the friendships you develop and then you feel part of a team, part of the team, but also if they do well, it makes you feel like 
I might have had to do a little bit to help him. My mm-hmm. ankle taping, he had a sprained ankle. My ankle taping might have helped him score, you know, those points or help score the goal in soccer. And, you know, just a friendship. It was like, you know, you were, you were part of the team. I remember our, our mutual friend, the great Chick Downing, after uh, practices, him and I used to play around on the court. And I wasn't a basketball player. And we used to practice taking hook shots from the corner, you know. And... <laughs> Every once in a while, I got lucky and I made a couple. Yeah. And then he would just say something to me and just walk off the court, you know. <laughs> and I just used to yell on, you know, just keep practicing. You'll be able to do it someday, you know. But just the friendships like that, that you, you became part of a team. And, and that's what really attracted me to it. Oh, that's interesting. I do remember Chick. He, he was fond of you. And then Chick had a, a different way of showing his fondness for people, you know. He was an intimidating person. He could be, but he had, oh, yeah. had, a, had a heart yeah. of gold. And, uh, you could eventually, you could see through all that, but I can see you two out there doing that. And he, he, he always was fond of you. Yeah. He was a great man. He, he really was. And I, I just broke my heart when he passed away earlier this year. And it was way too early for such a, a great person. Yeah. Did you have anybody who you could look to to say that they were a mentor for you? Oh, I had, I was very lucky in my career. I had a lot of mentors. I mean, Terry Hansen was a, was a mentor to me. He used to bust my chops a little bit every once in a while, but it really made me work harder. <laughs> Funny story when uh, Terry was coaching baseball, I was doing the athletic training, but I was also doing the equipment manager stuff as well. And we had a double header in Emporia, Kansas, and somebody forgot to bring the bats. <laughs> so we get to we get to Emporia, Kansas, and we're unloading the bus, and he goes, "Where's the bats?" And I went, I was kind of like speechless. So I had to go borrow four bats from Emporia. Oh no! Played a double header, and we beat him in a double header. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Terry never let me forget that, you know. But Terry, Terry was a great mentor when um, when I was in with the Cubs. We used to go to Atlanta. Terry was working for Turner Sports at the time, right? And I would always go. He always always had me over for lunch, and Patty would make us lunch. And you know, he was a great mentor to me. You know, I just I I told him, you know, I said you really helped me a lot. You don't realize how much it helped me just by staying on me and really busting my chops a lot and just doing that kind of stuff. But Terry was a mentor to me. I was very fortunate in my early athletic training career in professional baseball that I got to work with three former major league athletic trainers who kind of like formalized my athletic training. A guy like in St. Louis, Bob Bowman, who was with the Cardinals and the St. Louis Browns. I worked with him at St. Louis University in the off season. And then a guy by the name of Gus Mock, who was the athletic trainer for the Yankees in the 50s when they had all those great teams and then went over to the Mets in 1960. Mm-hmm. And then with a guy by the name of Al Schooneman, who was the head athletic trainer for the Cubs from 1950 to 1971. So I had these encyclopedias of knowledge of athletic training that worked with this young kid that was always asking, I thought, the stupidest questions in the world. <laughs> but you know what? I learned so much from them that I learned a little bit different, something different from each one of them. 
Bob Bowman was a great mentor because when we would work together at St. Louis University with basketball, we would have almost like going to school together because I would, he would come up with me and said, well, you got this injury. How would you treat this injury? Being 22 years old, I probably came up with some stuff that were completely off of the wall, but he would never tell me, you know, like, that's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard. He'd always say, you know what? I never looked at it that way. Why don't we take this and add this component to it, and then we'll get to the result quicker, which made me feel good. Yeah. But yet I learned a lot. And it was just that constant in the, you know, during the basketball practice that sometimes could last a long time, this constant questioning back and forth that I would learn, you know, to help me develop my skills. And it wasn't like this is when athletic training didn't have a lot of equipment and stuff. We just had our hands and our brains try to figure out how to heal some of these injuries. And it would be like going to school every day, working with this master. I mean, he was... He's in the NATA Hall of Fame. He's one of the first physical therapists, athletic trainers in Major League Baseball. And he was a founder of the NATA, National Athletic Trainers Association. So it was like going to school every day. And I learned so much from this man. And he would come in and being who he was, he had all these big athletes and prominent people from St. Louis to come see him. And he'd say, there's Ed McCauley. Take care of him, will ya? You know who had McCauley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He played in the NBA with the star at St. Louis University. And he was an older guy at the time. And he, you know, he'd take care of him. Or here's Stan Musial. You know, why don't you, why don't you take care of him? Stan's got a little problem. And here I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. And I looked up to these people all my life. Oh, and oh, yeah. Now I'm working on them. Thanks to Bob Bowman. I always tell athletic trainers now, when you're young in the profession, be a sponge. Soak up as much knowledge from from people that have been doing it for a while to to try to help formulate your plan of doing things because that's what I did mm-hmm. and and Bowman taught me something that never as stupid as ideas that may come out of people's mouth never tell people you know that they're wrong or anything just kind of encourage them with that to help them f- formulate their own ideas and stuff that is great advice absolutely great advice. Now, Tony, I think we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'd like to continue down this road with the, the mentorship and, and how it prepared you and, and how it got you into position to be a candidate for the Cubs position and, and other positions that you've had. So if you don't mind, let's take a break and we'll come back in a few minutes. <laughs> 